So I was reading in People this week about Jenna Dewan um, and her struggles when she first had her baby and she was away from her ex Channing Tatum and she was traveling for work and taking her baby on planes and all over the, all the things and doing all the postpartum um, stuff alone and I just you know doctor mm -hmm. I did that I was in here like in tears right mm -hmm. I was like I'm gonna start a movie Nico's five weeks old and I'm gonna take him with me um it's really challenging the postpartum time is rough it's really tough and you know i think this story has just brought that back into focus it's always something that you know we should be talking about because uh, it's such a tough time for any new parent uh, but this story has has just really brought it back into focus yeah i mean postpartum life is hard no matter if you're working if you're not if you have a partner or if you're single parenting and and it's just exaggerated like times a bajillion when we're in a pandemic and looks like we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> we are, we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> Mama. Welcome parents to Raising Amazing. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator-Warsh, board certified pediatrician specializing in integrative medicine. And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother. Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood. And together, let's begin Raising Amazing. <laughs> so yeah, reading about uh, Jenna Dewan and Channing Tatum and their situation reminded me of that time, that postpartum time where my anxiety level was through the roof. I hadn't slept. And then I did a movie when Nico was five weeks old. And I had the benefit and the blessing of being able to bring him to set with me every day. And I had the benefit and the blessing of having a partner. And um, he came to set with me every day so he could hold him while I was doing a take and then I would pump and nurse um, in between takes and um, I also had mastitis um, and pink eye <laughs> at the beginning of that film. So you're basically just a juggler, you know, just yeah. <laughs> one ball up in the air at all times, um, seven balls. But, you know, I was going through, I mean, that obviously was a lot and that's a unique experience, but it doesn't matter if you're doing that or you're sitting at home, all the postpartum stuff is so crazy and real and when I was going through it I didn't even realize that I was going through it and now these mothers are going through it there's so many mothers that have been going through it during this pandemic and you can't call people in to help watch your baby because you're afraid that you're gonna get sick or they're gonna get your baby sick and it's just a shit show it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> yeah it is it's crazy right and you know the, the we don't know I don't know Channing Tatum but you know I obviously the the story just brings to light um, you know, the, the issues which are always there, but it's so important that people do speak about these concerns if they're having them because it is so prevalent. It's something that I see in the office all the time. And every mom, every parent who's going through a birth, they, your hormones change, your emotions are all over the place. And it's important to have that support. And especially in the pandemic, it's, you know, it's made it just that much harder because you don't necessarily have the support systems that you had before. It's certainly more difficult to to get that support, you know, mm -hmm. just like you said, with, with sometimes family doesn't want to come over or you don't want them to come over or you're concerned or, um, you know, you could have gotten help in the past maybe, but you can't find a babysitter or you don't want a babysitter or a nanny. There's all these, these other um, issues and, and concerns that are circling around. Not just, you know, it's not enough just to have a new baby and to deal with the, you know, well, quote unquote, regular old, um, you know, 
postpartum symptoms, but you have to also deal with the stress of the pandemic, compounding that and compounding the things that you might have done in the first place, like, oh, maybe you're gonna go to a therapist, maybe you can't go to the therapist's office, you have to do it by telemedicine. There, there's all these other things that compound the problem. And, and and so we just need to keep talking about this. Yeah, and you know they tell you they you <laughs> to you know leave the house right like for like one like really important thing to do when you're feeling all these postpartum feelings is to put some clothes on and leave the house. Well, we didn't leave the house for a year, and all those poor mothers. I remember when I was struggling, and um, I went. I had a lot. I was speaking with a lactation consultant, and she was like, "You need to go for a walk around your block." I'm like, "I can't go for a walk around the block. I live in the hills. It's not a walk. It's a hike. Like that's not going to help me." Um, but uh, but all these mothers that like have no reason to actually get dressed and leave the house because everything is over telemedicine. You can't even go to therapy outside your house. You're still at home. Anyway, there's just so much there, and. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're speaking with Kim Caldwell from American Idol and many other things. Um, she's a beautiful new mother and um, is gets really honest about how extreme her postpartum anxiety and depression and experience was. Let's get right into it. We are so excited today to have beautiful mama with us, Kim Caldwell. You know her from American Idol. Uh, she's a TV host. She's an actress. She's an incredible singer, a correspondent and producer for NBC's California Live, and most importantly, a mama of two girls. Yes, thank you, Kim, for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I hear that you, you know, um, talk about <laughs> being cra a crazy mother in quarantine and you had a pedi pediatrician on hand and I was like, sign me up. Let's do this. Love it. Thank you for being here. Yes. We have the Dr. Gator, the best pediatrician in Los Angeles. Um, Thanks yeah, so much for talking. being with us, Kim. Thank oh you. my gosh. Thank you. And also, well, please, um, can I please have your number? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. No, honestly. Uh, oh, for absolutely. For sure. And, and, you know, this is such an important topic and, and we're so, uh, grateful to have you on and, and we know that you've been very open about talking about uh, your postpartum journey with Raising Amazing, especially with season one, we really want to focus on the mental health aspects uh, that the pandemics have had on parents and, and certainly, uh, you know, new moms, moms-to-be uh, have had their new challenges and, and you've been very open about your postpartum journey and you, know, you had a baby right at the beginning of the shutdown and, and I wanted to know a little bit more about how did the fear about everything that was going on affect you and do you feel like the pandemic increased uh, anything postpartum that you feel different if it wasn't a pandemic, you know, more anxious, depression, any new feelings that you, you felt? I just feel so bad for the moms who have been pregnant through the pandemic because my anxiety when I am pregnant, both times, my anxiety and depression in general is so heightened and so intense. And so the only thing that helped me being pregnant the second time around was getting out working. I mean, I was, I had gained 70 pounds in this last pregnancy. I was still in stilettos, still hosting and producing like nine and a half months pregnant. And that was like the only thing that like kept me going and made me, you know, feel alive and worthy and all those things. Um, just because you, you have so many different emotions going on whenever you're pregnant. So then when I had her and then two, three weeks later, you know, they're like, yeah, so there's this thing, I don't know, we might like 
shut down the world for a minute, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm set 65 pounds overweight. So I am thrilled to sit here and like, you know, be soaked in breast milk and like literally have zero clothes that fit my body and like, just like snuggle with my baby. And I wasn't planning on going anywhere anyways for those first few weeks. So for me, I was like, yes, I get to hide away. I don't get to see anybody. I don't have to see anybody. I don't have to invite anybody over. So it was actually kind of like a little release at the beginning. And then of course you like, you know, I, I, I really wanted and needed to get back to work and get out of the house and, you know, see my girlfriends and um, introduce this person that I just created to the people that I love, you know, and I couldn't even like have my mom come in town. So that for me, obviously was super hard, but I, I, I honestly am just thrilled that I wasn't pregnant during the pandemic. Cause I really don't know how I would have been able to cope with that. And the first time that I went, um, five years ago, when I had my first baby, I had crazy anxiety and depression throughout the, um, pregnancy, but then postpartum is when you're like, I'm like, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And then it's like, you know, you get slugged in the face with, oh my gosh, I'm not fine. You know, and you think that something's wrong with you, the hysterical crying. And I don't know if this is like this with anybody else, but like for me personally, every time that I talk about these feelings and these emotions that I went through, I feel like a swarm of women and mamas come up in support going, oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that. That was me too, you know? Yeah. It's I, so I, important to talk about because you know, at least as a pediatrician, I see this all the time and I try really hard, especially now after having my own child to really remember to bring it up in the room on that first visit and talk about it uh, and just, you know, make sure that moms are, are doing okay and dads are doing okay as well, because the statistics don't lie. You know, 40 to 80% of new moms have some baby blues or some sadness, almost 70% of women when, they're, when they do surveys have, you know, one, at least one symptom of prenatal depression or prenatal or postnatal anxiety. And so the, the numbers are, are staggeringly high. It's happening to most people, but we're not really talking about it. And, and talking about it really helps other moms to know that it's normal. It's okay. It's okay to talk about it. And you need to talk about it. And if you are getting past that point where you feel like it's not okay, then you mm. need to bring it up to you your need doctor. To, yeah. And that's where it got to the point where, and, and here's the thing, I think that there's a bunch of different versions of postpartum depression for me specifically. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go hurt my baby. It was more like I'm worthless. I don't feel right. I don't feel good. I don't feel like waking up in the morning. I don't feel like moving forward. You know, that was for me where I was, you know? And so it, I had gotten into such a dark place and I, the first, it was funny because it hit me immediately with my first baby. With my second baby, I was like, I'm fine. I'm, look at that, sailed right through it. And then a couple months in is when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. You know, my husband would come home and I'd be like, so I'm, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I just want to like tell you straight out. I'm a really, I need help. I'm not okay. I need you to figure out how to help me. And we went to my gynecologist who was able to support me and, and get me on medication to help me push through, to tell me things that I needed to do to push through. And he was like, you have to leave your house. I don't care if you walk around the block. I don't care if you double mask, go sit on a corner of a beach. You have to leave your house because 
just like everybody else, I was terrified and I did not leave my house for six months. So he was like telling my husband, get her, make her put on actual clothes and drag her out of the house and like feed her food outside of the house safely. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, and then return home. And so that was like such a great help for me, but I, I had to ask for help and I had to get real with myself about like, you got to stop for a minute and like get real so that you can move forward. And so that you are a better mom. I think it's really beautiful that you knew, I mean, like this is your second child. So, but you knew to ask for help. I didn't know what was going on with me. I didn't know what I was experiencing was postpartum. And I feel like a lot of moms don't know that you don't know if, if it's because you haven't slept, you don't know what, what it is. I remember being in your office, Dr. Joel, you know, um, because he's my, my baby's doctor. You won't admit that, but he is. I can't say anything, you know, <laughs> I don't even know who you are. I love how honest you are. Um, but I really being- saying is what's so great though, is that you have your pediatrician checking on you. They should all be checking on you. Yes. Everybody cares about you while you're pregnant, but nobody cares about you or asks about how you're doing once you have the baby. Well, I remember being in Dr. Gator's office, like trying to hold in my tears, haven't slept, like struggling with, you know, nursing and feeling all of those things, just like I hated myself. And you're trying to like push down those feelings because really what's most important, the only thing that's important right now is this new perfect little baby and making sure that your baby's okay. Um, And then I also had, I don't know about what your experience with the anxiety was, but I had terrible postpartum anxiety and fear thoughts like that my baby was going to fly off the balcony in my house and like just crazy, crazy visuals of something bad happening to him. And that's a postpartum thing. And I didn't know that, like I read so much about birth and sleep and all of the, you know, things that we, that we, um, study before we have a baby, but I was not aware of the anxiety. Yeah, no, they, people, and I don't know why it is, you know, I I don't know why it is that people are just now kind of coming around and it's just now starting to be normal that people talk about, you know, drowning in your tears and not being able, wanting to get out of bed and, and just postpartum depression and anxiety in general. Like, I just don't know why it's taken everybody so long. You know, I don't know if they didn't want to like terrify people. And I also don't feel like, telling someone who hasn't had a child or who hasn't gone through that, what we just talked about, which sounds bananas, you know, I just feel like it just seems like let them have their own experience. And you don't want to like set up anybody else for what their experience would be either. And some mothers that I know have had babies and like been fine, you know? And yeah. And just, you know, popped them out and moved through it. Or they say they were fine. Yeah, but 99% of people that I know that I feel like are being real with me are like, have struggled in some kind of way, regardless of what it is. I had a friend of mine literally text me last night and was like, hey, what's the thing like when your uterus isn't like, um, is like detached and it doesn't go back, like I'm four weeks postpartum and I still look like I'm six months pregnant. And, you know, all this, and I literally wrote her back. I said, you're four weeks postpartum after your third baby. 
it just doesn't work like that anymore. At least on my second baby, I was legit six months pregnant for six months. You know, I wanted to talk to you about this. Actually, you have been super open about your postpartum body, which I really appreciate my, you know, I, I assumed that since I lived a super active lifestyle, my whole life that I was just going to like bounce back. And then I realized how much I absolutely despise that term bounce back <laughs> because there is no back. There is, I, no, once I you become a mother, there's, what I was. Right, there, once you become a mother, there's no going back to anything. You, we are physically, emotionally, psychologically changed forever, right? So even if we do squeeze back into our genes, it's not the same. Anyway, I really appreciate your posts and your honesty about what a real postpartum body looks like and how we can easily disguise that in a photo. You're stunning, by the way, and oh, you're thank known. You so much. I just, being, I'm just a different version of myself now you know, and, um, I, I honestly, like before my, before my first child, I had just been married. And so I was in like the best shape of my life. So I did, I thought, oh my gosh, I gained 45 pounds. Oh my gosh. It took me so long to actually get back to where I was. And then it, you know, it's so funny because then you have a second child and you're like, oh, gosh, I would give anything to have only gained 45 pounds and to be able to go back as quickly as I did last time. But, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40 years old, you know, I'm literally 39 in a week and it just doesn't work like that. And you had, I had to just get really honest with myself. And before my second child, I was working so much and I actually was dealing with so much anxiety that I'm now working through. I'm in weekly therapy. That's just been so, 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 uh, healing and helpful for me, um, with past traumas and all, you know, all the things, uh, that make you have anxiety, but I was malnourished. Like I was not eating what I should have been eating. So, you know, I, I now know I don't want to get back to that girl because that girl wasn't, you know, wasn't healthy. And she certainly wasn't happy. Um, even though she was too thin. Um, so I just kind of feel like, and also, you know, I was like, I would wear Spanx even when I was like stick thin. And I'm just to the point now where I'm like, I ain't wearing the Spanx. It's not happening. No, this is my body and it's beautiful and it's curvy and it might, you know, and we're in Hollywood. So sometimes that's not accepted, but it, it is, if you accept it. And then you see so many other people reaching out going, Thank you so much for not wearing the Spanx. Thank you so much for like saying that you, you know, that, uh, that this is your real body and not rocking I, it. I'm I not going to wear think... Spanx either. So that, that we're going to keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually, I actually think that curves are in right now. I think you, when you and I both, you've been in the business forever and you know, when we both started and however many years ago that heroin chic was in and I also was malnourished and very, very thin. And now that I am like, I, I can't even imagine being that woman again. I can't even imagine. And I, I do think that things are changing and we are embracing women's bodies and curves and all of these things. I, I think we are on a, a more positive path. And um, at least I, I want to tell myself that because I'm not going yeah. back to that again either. Well, and, you know, to go back to what I was talking about, about my friend texting and being like, I'm four weeks postpartum. And I remember like, this was yesterday. And I was like, she's so crazy. You know why she needs to give herself a little grace. You know, I did not give myself any grace. I still struggle with giving myself grace, you know, and I might like walk out and be like, this is my curves and I'm owning it. 
I struggle just like anybody else on a daily basis with accepting myself and loving myself. And, you know, you just, it's like a constant practice, um, you know, and you just hope to just, it gets a little bit easier and you get a little better at it. But it's so funny because when you're outside looking in, you think just a baby, like go lay in the bath with your, with your belly and just like soak in it, you know? And like, this is the time where you're allowed to like, just let everything be what it is and work on it later. You know, it's uh, really interesting that we can give that love and support and yeah, sisterhood to all of our friends and then not give it to ourselves because right. I did the same thing. You can see it so clearly. Like I just saw so clearly, like she's crazy. Mm -hmm. But then when I'm four, four weeks postpartum, I'm, I'm thinking the exact same thing. Oh my gosh, I gotta, you know, I need to work out and I, I shouldn't eat that. And you know, all the things. And I actually, I know that so many women have struggled. You, you talked about struggling with being able to produce milk or being able to nurse. So I actually struggled with too much milk. My second time I was so engorged. It was so uncomfortable. It was like the opposite of that problem. I, I couldn't feed her. She couldn't latch because I had these like giant things that were just leaking everywhere. There was no, like they were being un, uh, they were completely unmanageable. There was yeah. nothing positive happening from that. And I would just like lay in tears, not being able to do anything with them. The more I pumped, the bigger they got, the less I pumped, the bigger they got. And so I actually wound up having to go on birth control for like a day or two and tricked my body into thinking that it was pregnant again. And it finally, that was the only thing. And I had people come to the house and do all the demonstrations. And wow. anyway, it's so, it's just like, you know, it's, there's so many problems to have, you know, and somebody, each mother is dealing with something different, you know, and then you add sleep deprivation right. and forget and it. it. Yeah. And it's that's what, what moms, don't see these days. You don't see what we see in the office, which is everybody's going through something. Every new mom has their struggles. You know, breastfeeding is hard and too much milk, not enough milk, you know, anxiety, whatever it is, there's something going on and we see it on a consistent basis, but, but nobody else does. And especially with the pandemic, everybody's even more isolated. And we were already isolated even before the pandemic. I mean, it used to be that we were in a tribe, right? And we had mom and grandma and the 40 other people that were all around you, helping you, helping support you. If you needed a break, there was somebody there. Now you're doing it on your own. Now you're really doing it on your own because you can't even get grandma to come in to help mm -hmm. you or, or somebody to come help you. And so that's really tough. And acknowledging it and talking about it is so key because everyone is struggling just the same and everybody is struggling in their own you know, in their own way somewhere else, but they're not seeing that everyone is, they think they're the only one when really everybody has their own struggles. And if we talk about it and we work together and we help each other out, then, then it's a lot easier to get through it. It's a lot easier to get through it when you talk about it and you have support than it is to do it on your own. And you feel like you're the only one. And I feel like there's so many like remedies, you know, there's so many things you can try, whether it's you know, being active or spending an hour trying to, when you have a new baby and especially another one, um, it's really hard, but trying to like get a 20 minute bath to yourself, you know, um, it's key. reading a book. Like these are all things that I don't have time to do, but it's all things you should do <laughs> and all things you should try, try. Or even like, I remember like just a walk around the block. I was like, 
you know, and it's like, you have to force yourself to take care of yourself, even if it's just for a few moments a day. And there's so many different things you can do for me personally. I needed medication after my first daughter and I've remained on that medication up until today. And medication has so many, you know, people have so many negative things to say about it. Personally, for me, it's what's it, it is what worked for me. And I suggest, you know, talking to your doctor about, you know, it could potentially be um, something that works for you as well. If you've, you know, tried other things and, and you're still in a really dark place. Yeah. And a big one that I also talk about too in the office is support, you know, especially mm. having that support around you. And, and it's in, in the pandemic, even more so your partner's support is, is, everything you know it's so important to get help and to be able to take a break and to be able to just have five minutes to yourself and going through it myself you know it's something that you really realize that especially as a mom no matter no matter what my wife did she's still if she's breastfeeding she's she has to be up every hour or two she has to do this there's only so much that you can do so whatever you can do to help even if it's 10 minutes it makes all the difference in the world and if you can get to a point where you can you know, have a bottle or have the baby for, for one feeding so that you can sleep right. for like four hours, then you never realize how much four hours of sleep really, you know, matters, <laughs> but it really, I'm, it really does. I'm really bad at asking for help. And I would totally like suggest take the help, you know, but don't just take the help to like line it up, say, mm -hmm. you know, okay, this is the time where I can maybe not pump you know, and where you could wake up and do the bottle, or this is the time where you could get up with the kids. And then I can sleep for those couple hours. Cause like, when you're in the chaos and you do get those couple extra hours, it's like, gosh, I'm human. Yeah. I can yeah. like see the world again, you know? And like, you're not just like so foggy and like, you know, withered. Um, but I would also say, and I'm sure Serena, you probably dealt with this as well, is so many people have so many things to say, you know? And just like you said, Joel, about getting support, I would recommend, and this is something that I had to really edit in my life, was the type of support that you're getting and who you're getting support from. Because a lot of times you're thinking that you're getting support from somebody, but actually what they're like pushing on you is negativity or they're pushing like their beliefs and their thoughts and where you should be and what you should be doing. And every mom kind of like has their own path, you know, and has their own way and has their own own their own momness, you know, and you kind of like have to be able to own that pridefully and have everybody around you respect the paths and the choices that you're making and support you in those moments, or, you know, the support is actually just hindering you more. I the, couldn't. The, the support that you think is support that's not actually support is hindering you more. That's so uh, true. And to dads, you know, ask, help, assume that, that your wife needs help. Don't wait to be asked. I mean, you know, if you need to, well, I always encourage my wife, you know, if she needs anything to please ask me, but I would say, you know, to the dads, if there's one piece of advice that I really, you know, learned over the time is, is be there and offer, you know, offer, can I do this? Can I do that? Because a lot of times, you know, my wife didn't want to ask for something. She didn't necessarily, she wanted the support, but she didn't want to ask for it. But it's, you know, if you, if you offer, then usually, she will take the help. <laughs> yeah. Or just do it. One thing that, um, just do it, just do it. One thing that my, um, that Mike just started doing, 
because like I, he just saw me breaking down completely was washing all of the parts to the pump. Like, Oh, isn't that the best, you know, like the best help you can give. Yeah. If it, just to get to, I don't even want to have to look at that. I don't have to touch it. Just don't spill the milk. And if you could do that and he started doing that and it like changed our relationship, you know, yeah. it's really important. Gordon did the exact same thing. Yeah. And it was like, I did exactly when you're done with that and it's just ugh, like, you don't want to deal with it or have to clean it up because you're just going to have to put it right back on as soon as yep. you're done. Yeah. So that like is something that it's, men can do. That is just like, sponge. it's everything. We'll get paid for that later. It's everything. Yeah. Really, so, really quick before we go, we have a, a question from a mom, Hillary R who wants to know, you began your singing career at a very young age and we're on Star Search. What are your thoughts about putting your kids into the entertainment business? <laughs> um, I'm like, the, the magical question. Um, I performed since I was five years old. I did like two shows a day, six days a week in this production show starting at 11. Um, you know, I've performed my entire life. It's been my ent entire identity. I didn't know how to live without people applauding me. Um, so it really effed me up, uh, really did. And, uh, and I'm in a lot of therapy for it today, but at the same time, I have the most incredible work ethic and I always did love performing and I still love performing. Um, but personally, like if, and, and some of my mom friends that have their kids and like dance or whatever, like they're on the, you know, all these competitions and doing these crazy things. And the kids really seem to be in it. So I can't, once again, I don't want to speak for what people should do. Um, but for me personally, I really try to just keep it fun. You know, for my daughter, she loves ballet. She loves being in dance. She sometimes loves the classes. She sometimes doesn't. Okay, you don't want to do the class today. No problem. You know, and um, so... For me personally, I'm just going to keep it fun and keep her a kid and keep her focused on being silly and being a silly ballerina princess and like dancing around and telling her that everything she's doing is perfect um, for as long as I can, you know, and once she wants to start, you know, taking it a little bit more seriously, I want to give her the space and the grace to say, you know, you decide and I'll support you in whatever that is, but I definitely wouldn't be pushing her to to that's, um that's great get professional at the age of five where can people find you oh at underscore kim caldwell and you guys if you're in california san diego san francisco or los angeles you can watch nbc's california live every day at 11 30 and there's a few times a week that i'm i'm popping out into the field uh trying to bring the best of california to you guys and you do i just saw your thing about the wine the winery i've been there i love it I always try to make sure that there's drinking involved with all of my shoots. You're my kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Paid to day drink. I'm into yes. it. That's, that's the best kind of job. <laughs> this is so incredible. Before we go, what you guys are doing, it needs to be discussed. It needs to be talked about. Thank you so much for normalizing it. Um, I will be getting your number because I need a pediatrician. And He's the best. You're so beautiful and amazing. Thanks for being so real. You are, Kim. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for being here. We're, we're really grateful. 
Anytime. Thank you guys. Kim is wonderful and obviously so articulate because this is what she does every day. She's on the news every day. Um, so it was so great to hear her story and, and her honesty about how ridiculously hard this is and how messy it is and how we need to ask for help and we need to ask our partners for help. We need to guide them into, I'm constantly telling Mike, like, I need you to do this so I don't completely lose my mind. And yeah, it's just a reminder, again, that everybody's going through this. Everyone that has a new baby is going through this and it's, you know, 100,000 times more difficult during the pandemic, but it's always difficult. And, you know, even for me um, and Sarah, when we went through it, you know, she was in a lot of pain the first week, her emotions were everywhere. That's just a part of the deal. That's what happens to almost everybody. And the more that you talk about it, the more that it normalizes it. And the more that we can be prepared for what is to come when we have a baby so that way we have the support system that we need and if things don't seem like they're going in a direction which you feel comfortable based on what you've heard uh, in reality which is you know why we want to talk about this then you can get that support that you need uh, and the more that we talk about it, the more that I think women moms and parents will, will, will understand that this is a part of the normal you know transition for a baby into the real world and normal transition for moms and they'll reach out for support if they need it and they won't feel like they're the only one because um, they really are not the only one. I see it in the office all the time. Well, you know, I, I don't think I've ever told you this, but when I came into the office, you know, we can, would come obviously weekly, right, when Nico was first born. Um, and it it took so it takes so much to like get ready and get out of the house and pack your baby in the car and then like they're, you're going to be late because they like poop through their thing <laughs> and and like I was in so much pain and you're so tired and I remember showing up and feeling like embarrassed in front of Maria even who's amazing who works in your office that I felt like such a complete just basket case and and um, I think no matter what if you hear before you're in it if you hear like, oh, all these things are normal, when you when it's you, you just feel like you're a mess and that you're doing it all wrong and everybody else does it better. Mm -hmm. I remember going to my mommy and me class and like, I, I would look at the other moms and like their their shit was so organized. <laughs> They're like their carrier with all their things and the things hanging down and mm -hmm. the, 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 the white noise attached to the thing with their baby and like the blanket was all organized and like mine was just like a mess and, and I felt like... I, I, like, I was doing it all wrong. But I think that everybody is. I mean, there's just th those women that look like they had it all together. Like, they didn't either. No, nobody has it. I mean, we've yeah. talked to how many celebrities and high pro everyone has the same stories and the same issues. And everybody's going through something. And, I mean, this is just a pro tip here. But, you know, even in our own office, when somebody comes in with a new baby, we just assume you're going to be 15 minutes late. Like, we book you 15 minutes early because everybody comes late because everyone has a poopy diaper or they don't know how to get their kid in the car or whatever. So it's not you. <laughs> it's everybody. Literally, okay. if somebody comes on time, I'm more surprised if a new baby. We just assume you're going to be 15 minutes late. And I don't know if every office does that, but, like, that's just... Well, and then you is. fight on the way here. Mike <laughs> and I, he's like, we're going to be late. And I'm like, I, I, can't do, I can't do it any better. Yep, we're going to be late. It's always my fault, by the way. Whenever we're late, it's always my fault, no matter what. It's never his fault for, like, reals. Like, he's just, like, an on-time person, mm -hmm. and I'm not. I want to be, but I'm not. And he'll get you there. You know, that's, that's marriage, right? Yeah. I mean, I've molded, you'll, you'll, him. I've molded him into what I need him to do. I have a question for you before we go. Yeah. So, in the Kim Caldwell interview, we've, we talked about, um, you know, the, I, I explained how I just told Mike, or Mike saw how I was struggling, 
And the one thing that he did for me in those postpartum days was wash all the pump parts mm -hmm. because you can't you, you can't do it. W mm -hmm. What what are some things that you did for Sarah during that time so she didn't have to think about it? It's a good question. So just number one, being there, right? Being there, asking if you can help. I think that's really the big thing, especially for for parents um, and partners and, and dads to just ask. You know, what can I do? How can I help? Um, taking uh, the child for some of the amount of time, especially as you can start pumping and you have bottles, you know, taking a shift and, you know, letting your wife or partner sleep for a few hours. If you can do that, that's, I think, was a really big thing. So once we got to that point where we were able to pump, then um, just taking uh, Eli for, you know, four hours so that she could get, you know, a straight stretch was really, really helpful for her. Um, yeah, washing, you know, cooking whenever you can, uh, cleaning up whenever you can, putting things away. I think those are the, the big things and just, you know, trying to get a rest wherever you can. Feeding her? Feed her. Feeding, yeah, feeding can be ordering postmates, whatever you have to do. You yeah. have to feed because you know you've got to feed your. Um, you're feeding this baby like you need to eat. Yeah, like I mean, crazy. That's where sometimes food. you know having family around if you can that's helpful because it's like just bring food, bring food, yeah, bring food over. Really, really helpful because you don't want to have to cook those first couple of days. Um, those first couple of days, you don't well, have to cook those first couple of months. Fine, but it, like let's 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 stick to days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to cook ever, you know. Just like have people bringing you great food all the time. That'd be great. But I, I think at least in the first couple of days, when things are you know really crazy, you're really tired, you just went through, uh, you know, having a baby, coming home, all those things. Then, you know, whatever you could do to minimize anything else that you have to do, cleaning, cooking, whatever, that's going to be the biggest help. Yeah, and one pro piece of advice I got from I don't even remember who it was, but when I was postpartum, that is if you do one thing a day, that's enough. And sometimes that thing is going to be taking a shower, and sometimes that thing will be sending an, one email. But one thing, one thing a day when your baby is that little and you're in it is enough. Um, and on that note, um, little tease for next week, we're going to have a part two of this conversation about postpartum um, with Dr. Nadine Macaluso. Uh, a marriage and family therapist. So um, tune in for that next week and we'll have more talk about postpartum and the pandemic that never ends. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to RaisingAmazingPodcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on Raising Amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.